Hello, and welcome to the Day Sun Digest podcast. I am your host, Angelina Davis. I'm one of the liaison clinical pharmacists with Day Sun. And today we will be diving into a discussion about simplifying the management of neurosyphilis. And this conversation comes about because of a recent publication in Lancet Infectious Diseases in October of 2021. In this particular study, it explored the use of ceftriaxone compared with benzylpenicillin in the treatment of neurosyphilis. And this was done in a larger multicenter study in France. I think the study was very interesting because in recent years, we have seen a resurgence of syphilis worldwide. And although neurosyphilis represents a rare occurrence in comparison to the overall manifestation of the disease, it still accounts for anywhere between 2 to 5% of all cases. And when we look at our gold standard for management, which is benzylpenicillin, this is an agent that is typically dosed multiple times a day and can be rather cumbersome uh, to administer in comparison to a more simplified approach of something like ceftriaxone, which would be dosed once daily. What's interesting is that ceftriaxone actually has intermediate CSF diffusion features that are very, very similar to benzylpenicillin. So when you're looking at use in unflamed as well as inflamed meninges, this can actually be a rather viable option as an alternative to benzylpenicillin, which is once again the gold standard. And up until this point, we really have very little literature to support ceftriaxone as an alternative option. There are some smaller studies that have been published in the past, many of them being more retrospective, as well as previous studies that have been primarily limited to neurosyphilis among patients living with HIV and AIDS. But in most cases, these studies were very, very small. And so really looking for concrete data to support this option of ceftriaxone as a true alternative has been limited to date. So this retrospective study presents something new. It is actually a multi-centered cohort study that was conducted over or included patients over a 20-year period from the time of January 1st of 1997 through December 31st of 2017. Now, the time span was extended because of the rarity of neurosyphilis uh, overall. And so in order to identify enough patients that have, may have potentially received the gold standard, which is the benzylpenicillin, and ceftriaxone, it was going to take an extended period of time or a very large study. Uh, so in this particular uh, up publication, we are able to gain information and insight that we have not had before. Now, this study included patients that were 18 years or older that had a confirmed diagnosis of neurosyphilis, but it did exclude patients with late-stage disease, those who were asymptomatic, as well as patients who had an alternative diagnosis, really trying to, as best they could, ensure that they were truly looking at neurosyphilis and comparing the benefit of use of both agents. So patients received treatment based on the provider's discretion. They either received uh, ceftriaxone, two grams once daily, 
or IV benzylpenicillin, three to four million units every four hours, and they had to be treated for at least 10 days in order to be eligible for inclusion. Now, the data was extracted from medical records. Once again, this was all retrospective. Uh, and then what they did is look at one major clinical outcome, and that was the overall clinical response. And they defined this clinical response as either being complete or partial, with complete being the total disappearance of neurological and ophthalmological symptoms, and clinical partial response being defined as a clinically relevant improvement in symptoms without a return to baseline. So that was the primary outcome. And secondary outcomes included the complete response at one month, serological response at six months post-treatment, as well as length of stay. What was so nice about this study is that they were able to include a number of patients. After exclusion, there were a total of 208 patients that were included. Now, because ceftriaxone is an alternative agent in this instance, only 42 patients that uh, were included received ceftriaxone therapy, with the remaining 166 patients receiving the gold standard of the benzyl penicillin. So there were definitely far more patients in the benzyl penicillin group. Now, when you look at the baseline demographics and the comparison between treatment groups, these groups were relatively similar in most demographics. Now, some areas where there were some differences is that the groups differed in terms of the clinical type of neurosyphilis that was present. And what was found is that uveitis was more frequent in the benzyl penicillin group uh, than in the ceftriaxone group, where that was 54% versus 33% in that case. As well as there were a higher proportion of patients in the benzyl penicillin group that had a positive CSF VDRL, as opposed to the ceftriaxone group. And that comparison was 48% versus 28%. And so those things may have had some influence on the treatment that was selected by the provider. Uh, also, there may be some instances where these differences in baseline characteristics may have played uh, another role. We're not quite sure, but we just want to be mindful that those were differences that were noted between the two groups. Now, overall, uh, it was found that 41 patients in the ceftriaxone group actually exhibited a clinical response, overall clinical response, which represented 98% of patients in that group. And this was in contrast to 126 patients in the benzyl penicillin group, which was 76%. Ceftriaxone was actually similarly effective to benzyl penicillin for the management of neurosyphilis. This is really, really exciting because uh, if this is a similar outcome or if it's able to provide a similar outcome or similar efficacy, then it is a reasonable option. Also, what they were able to find was that the use of ceftriaxone was associated with a shorter length of stay compared to the benzyl penicillin. So these results actually have a number of benefits, uh, one being that in patients that are allergic to penicillin, this is potentially an option that can be used because the likelihood of having a high sensitivity uh, to a cephalosporin or contraindication to the 
cephalosporin would be lower. And so in patients where there's an absence of cross allergy to penicillin, ceftriaxone may be an appropriate choice. Now, second to this is the ease of convenience. And that's what has me really, really excited about this article is the fact that you can simplify the dosing regimen to a once daily ceftriaxone dose, which can be easier to administer in an outpatient setting. It is easier for uh, the patient to tolerate and can potentially improve the overall, the patient's overall quality of life. And it's associated with the potential for decreased costs when you're thinking about overall management of the patient in terms of healthcare. Now, with that being said, there are still a number of limitations. Once again, this is a retrospective study design. There were still a limited number of patients that were included in this study. And so we have to be concerned about the sample size and what this means in terms of uh, us really placing these results into proper context. Uh, But overall, I think what we are able to see from this study is that the results suggest that the use of sexual triaxone can potentially be a benefit. It can be a potential alternative option. And not only just an alternative, it can also uh, may shorten the length of hospital stay, which could be a huge benefit overall in patients that do not require uh, prolonged hospitalization. And definitely the complications associated with that prolonged hospitalization may be minimized by being able to treat the patients in a more simplified approach or approach that's more amenable to outpatient management. So when we look at this data, there are some things that we would love to see. And one is that we need a randomized controlled trial to really truly identify what the best treatment option would be. At this point, we know that benzoyl penicillin is a gold standard. Based on a study like this, we can't replace that as a gold standard. What we are able to do is have a little bit more grounding for the use of ceftriaxone in those cases where an alternative agent may be needed. Uh, But we still need that you know, randomized controlled data and trial to really think about uh, how we can more properly position uh, the agent once we're able to control for a number of factors that we were not able to control for in this retrospective study. Nevertheless, I do think that uh, in in combination with some of the smaller studies that have been published previously, uh, the use of ceftriaxone can be supported through uh, this multi-center study, uh, definitely for the management of patients with neurosyphilis who uh, are definitely uh, more symptomatic, uh, as keep in mind, asymptomatic patients were excluded from this study. But it is a reasonable alternative and may be a simplified approach. So I hope this was something that uh, you have found interesting. I hope this is something that will help you continue to think about how you want to position and use either benzoyl penicillin or ceftriaxone for the management of neurosyphilis among patients that you may encounter in your acute care facility. And overall, it definitely is something that opens the door to the possibility that this may potentially be a more beneficial option if we were able to prove that it was associated with these positive benefits and had either equal efficacy or better efficacy than benzoyl penicillin. But we will have to wait for that particular study to come along. All right. Well, this uh, concludes our episode of the Day Sun Digest podcast, and I hope that you enjoyed it, and I hope to um, be back on and share more again soon.
Take care.